Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon if you're watching it from Europe. Hi, my name is Vivian Aqua and I'm the Workplace Wellness Advocate. Before we start with the Use Your Program of the Show, today in the Netherlands it's uh, Remembrance Day. So at 8 p.m. Central European time, I have to be silent for about two minutes so that we can remember those who we lost and those who fought for the freedom during World War II. So at 8 p.m., know that we'll be silent to uh, remember those we lost and those who fought um, during World War II. So welcome to Let's Humanize the Workplace. And today I have a special guest from the States. I uh, met her through another lady from LinkedIn. And I was just like, okay, why is it so that I don't know about the memo? And after that, I began to follow her on Twitter, follow her on LinkedIn, you know, the usual social media network so that you can reach out and ask if I could do the interview with her. And she's a very busy woman. And I'm glad that she's a very busy woman because the topic that she's going to discuss tonight and the topic that I'm, we are going to talk about tonight is so important. It's a topic about women of color claiming their own seats. and. Um, I'm going to introduce Minda. I think it's time to introduce Minda. But before we, I am going to introduce Minda, there's one thing that I haven't done. And normally I share my screen. And also want to say, share the love. Especially now, if you know a woman of color who is looking for a new job or is getting, wants to get a promotion or you're just thinking like, okay, I'm a woman of color or I know a woman of color who might need this valuable information, tag her or share this with her because this is a must watch episode uh, where you can learn so much from this lady. So I'm, I'm looking forward to interview her. And um, with no further ado, I'm going to bring her up in this conversation. So Minda Hart, she is the CEO of The Memo, a career development platform for women of color. She is the best-selling author of The Memo, what women of color need to know now to secure a seat at the table. And definitely now in these couple of weeks, I've seen more of Minda than before. And I'm like, I get, again, I'm so proud of her. <laughs> She's also an assistant professor at NYU Wagner, and she has been featured at MSNBC, Morning Joe and Fast Company. And today we'll be discussing women of color secure your seat at the table. Welcome, Minda. Thank you, Vivian, for having me. Are, are you looking forward to this? I've been waiting. I, I'm <laughs> to, 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 I can't leave my house in the state, so you brought me to, um, to, to you, you've taken me on a virtual flight, so I appreciate yeah. it. Have you been to Amsterdam before? Or in no, America? never. Or, okay, then this is my promise to you. Once all this is done, once you have the time to fly over to Amsterdam, say hello to your friend Vivian, and I'll promise to at least show you something of Amsterdam to make you more proud of being in Amsterdam. How's okay. that? I'm holding you to it. Okay. Good. <laughs> Good. So the first question that I want to ask is, what is your connection with humanizing the workplace? Yeah, that's a great question, and I love that you ask it. You know, for me, humanizing the workplace and the connection is for others to see women of color, black women as humans inside mm -hmm. the place. And that's really important for me because if we're talking about the, the future of work, 
then you have to humanize everyone who is in the workplace. And that requires those who have been underrepresented at these tables. Okay, this last sentence went too fast. So I'm giving you another <laughs> chance to just just re, re, retouch, re, just say it again, because I think people in the back didn't hear it. So I'm going to ask That's you to say it again. One more time for those yes. in the back, mm -hmm. a little closer uh, yeah. to the screen. But you know, humanizing the workplace is really about seeing everyone as human um, mm -hmm. and showing empathy for even people who don't look like you. And so, my connection to humanizing the workplace is making sure that women of color, black women are seen as humans with dignity inside of the workplace so we can advance. I love it, especially the dignity part. I felt like you're talking to me, you're talking to every person, every woman of color should feel that. And I hope that you're feeling that. And know that during this episode, if you have anything to ask Minda, or if you want to share something, share that on the different channels and I'll do my best to include them. So know that as well. And um, you have written a book, The Memo, which is maybe an anthem for a lot of women at the moment right now, but what's your why for writing this book? Yeah, you know, so prior to starting out on my own, uh, being an entrepreneur, I worked in corporate and nonprofit for 15 years and I was always the one, only one, right? The only black woman. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Many of us know what that feels like, and unfortunately. And at one point, Vivian, I just said, you know what? What am I doing to make the workplace better than I found it? You know, am I just going to keep being the lonely only, or am I going to do something that's going to create change so that the next woman of color doesn't have to be by herself, or at least she, we make it better when she arrives, right? So she won't be micro or macro aggressed by the same things that, that we are, or that future those who came before us had to shed some of the same like workplace tears, right? And so for me, I had to write a book where we are the center, we meaning women of color are the center of the career narrative because most books tend to have sweeping generalizations of women, but they're not always talking or including all women, that intersectionality lens. And so for me, it was important to write the memo so that people can get it. <laughs> they can get it. I, I totally understand that. And also being one of the, you know, one of the only black women at, in the workplace, it, it there is a huge pressure on us, right? Because when we fail, it seems like we're failing on behalf of the whole black society or we're failing on the whole community of women of color. Can you shed something about that? Just why are we carrying that weight on our shoulders? Yeah, because the reality is, Vivian, before we got there, before we were the only, there were none, right? Mm -hmm. So there wasn't mm -hmm. representation. And so when you get entered into this room by yourself, you feel like you have to represent for the whole race, which is a lot of pressure uh, that. Uh, should not be placed on us. We should, again, back to humanizing, right? Mm -hmm. If someone makes a mistake, then that should be on them, their character, their work ethic, not on this whole race of people. But we put so much on our backs to say, well, if I'm here, then I have to make it work so that they'll allow another one in. But that same that same rule is not the same for, for others, right? For the majority of the workplace. If, for example, if Tom messes up, Tom doesn't mess up for the whole generation of, you know, Caucasian mm -hmm. people, you know, yeah, <laughs> I understand. along the line, we get that. And so, oh, Minda messed up. So we can't let another one in the room. Right. And mm -hmm. so I know it may sound very harsh when you say it out loud, but these are the things that are happening in the rooms, whether we want to talk about them or not. 
I can only say, sorry, I'll, I'll be doing, I won't apologize because I'll be holding this card from time to time just to let you know what you're doing. So see this card as a preach. <laughs> card. Fan. Yes. Fan. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> so what can managers learn from the memo? What is it that you want them to learn and do better yeah. from now on? From now on, from here on out. So, from now on, after um, this, no mistakes anymore. You know, for me, so the memo is important for twofold. It's mm -hmm. important that women of color are able to read about what it's like to be them inside of the workplace, just have some validation that we're not making up some of these situations. But on the flip side, it's very important for managers to read um, about the experiences of women of color so that you understand how to manage diverse talent. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the statistics show that women of color uh, tend to hit a ceiling when it comes to managerial roles or um, C-suite roles of the sorts. And so if we have managers who are invested in talent, diverse talent, then I think we could see um, these numbers increase. Um, and I want to let you know one of the stats from my book. I, when I interviewed women of color, those women who identify as women of color, over 70% of them said that they felt like their managers were not invested in their success. That's mm -hmm. a very huge number. So I feel like there, there's some managers who need to understand how to manage diverse talent, how to build relationships, how to have um, important conversations. And I think sometimes in the workplace, we don't want to talk about race and I'm a black woman. We have to talk about race at work. Yes, true. <laughs> You're mentioning investing in your team member. So what kind of an investment can a manager do? Is that maybe um, create a, a funding for a person to go to a training or maybe mentor it? Can you maybe share some, maybe four or five examples of ways that managers can invest in their people? Yes. You know, I and I and I want to also say that I don't feel like there's a manager who's saying, you know what, I'm going to intentionally exclude this black woman or brown woman. Who's True. I don't yeah. think that it's that blatant. But what I do think is sometimes we tend to gravitate toward people who look like us or we mm -hmm. feel like we can't approach other people who look different than us. And I think that for starters, I think we have to understand that getting to know the people on our team. Right. Because not everybody. Uh, has the same needs. Not everybody has the same skill set. Not everybody has the same career desires. And I think mm -hmm. we're invested in every part of our team. Every person has a strength. And so I think that there's a lot of women of color that are going to their career graves, having not even used <laughs> career graves, woman. Is it too early to <laughs> career graves? No, no, no. Just speak on it. Tell, educate the people. What um, are you meaning with career graves? Yeah. So let's say you have, so currently, at least in the States, 4% mm -hmm. of women of color are in the executive roles in corporate America. You think about how many women of color are leaving, retiring, not even having the opportunity, the access to be a manager, the access to get to the C-suite. And so many of us have all of this education, all of this schooling and coaching and mentorship, mm -hmm. and we don't even get the opportunity to thrive in our full capacity. And so I'm saying, how much of your workforce do you want to use mm -hmm. as managers, as leaders, right? Because yeah. you allowed all of these women of color to leave and you didn't even tap into their unique brilliance, ha even half of it. and we're doing our talent a disservice. And so I mm -hmm. think 
back to your part of investment is getting to know the people on your team, everybody equally, right? Um, finding out their strengths and being invested. So you're on the team. Where do you see yourself in six months, 12 months, 18 months? Let's get a career plan because, mm-hmm. um, going. But if if managers aren't invested in this way or they're not reading books like the memo to understand what it's like for a, you know, a black woman to come in on a day when police brutality has happened, right? To someone, yeah. um, there's a lot of mental gymnastics or why it's not okay to say, I don't see race, right? Mm, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Language, language matters. So yeah. there's so many things, but I think that um, I'm optimistic, Vivian, about the future. And I think if, if more people get the memo, if we have continue to have conversations and platforms like yours, then we can mm-hmm. broaden our scope. Definitely. And I also feel like to to add uh, some more juice to what you said, right? Regarding a career plan or helping your uh, team member with the career plan. Also ask the question, how can I help you? And if I can't help you, I might know somebody from my network who might help you. Yep. Make yep. that available for your people, because I, I feel like we ask the question, where do you see yourself? And we have this yearly review, but we never ask the question, how can I help you excel? How can I help you achieve your ambitions? Yep. Yeah. Because there's managers that, you know, I know, understand that at least in even COVID-19, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to get through the day, right? You're trying to make sure all the cylinders are running. But talent development doesn't stop because we're in this virtual environment. Talent development actually starts now. The real talent development <laughs> starts now. I, f- I feel like I'm sitting in church right now with all the things that you're praying, and I'm just like going preach. I want to hit yeah, a I'm preach button. I, I mean, <laughs> so I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> you can go. Just go. Just go. <laughs> just go. We have one minute, so let's let's stop now for for about a few minutes, and then we continue the conversation. Okay. Because it's the Remembrance uh, Day in the Netherlands, so just. A few minutes, folks.
Okay. We just remembered that the those who lost their lives during World War II and also those who helped um, helped Europe, helped the Netherlands with um, with yeah with the war during World War II. And I want to continue with the questioning, with the interview with Minda. So why is it important for women of color to secure their seat at the table, even now, even during the COVID lockdown? Well, listen, it's even more imperative that we do that. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, so we talked about what managers can do. And I really love this question because this is, you know, what is under our control, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, so one of the things that I wanna encourage people to do is that you still can secure your seat from the home, um, if that's where you're working from, that your career development doesn't stop now. COVID-19 might not have been on your goals list or your hmm. or your vision board, but no, it hasn't. you still have those same goals are still important. And so make sure that you're articulating your value and quantifying your worth, right, to, yeah. to those who need to hear it. So we can assume our managers know what we want, right? They don't, just because we're working hard, uh, you know, at the computer on the Zoom calls or whatever, doesn't mean they know what we want. So these are the opportunities that we must take to schedule that time and let them know what you want going forward. And this is also another opportunity for you to see where the gaps are during the COVID-19, because um, the reality is there's going to be some new positions coming out of this, some new opportunities for you to lead. And so leverage this opportunity to see, get in where you fit in, as we say. And also number two, don't shrink. You know, if this is an opportunity for you to show your face on the screen, for you to chime in on certain topics because people are making decisions for women that look like us and we may not be in these virtual rooms so we have to advocate every chance we get because i do feel that what we do today will be a direct correlation to when we come out of covid into this the future is now right so where do we want to be where where do we want to be in this leadership pool and so find those roles when and i want to say when i i worked from i still work from home but in my former life I worked from home and I, my colleagues, I lived, I worked in New York and my colleagues worked in California and I still found ways to stay relevant. I never let, just because I was three hours ahead and on a different coast, I didn't stop pushing for myself and advocating for myself, but that requires us to, to speak up and raise our hand for those opportunities. Yeah, I, I can totally agree with you. And also that I dare women to speak up now, especially now. I mean, for myself, it took the time. I had to take some time to get used to what I'm doing. And even, you know, even for tonight, I'm still nervous. But luckily, I'm talking to a lady who I admire, but also a lady that I wish I had her book once when, when I started 20 years ago. So just know I'm turning 40 this, this year. So just to be clear. But it's a book that is relevant for all ages during your personal career or your professional uh, development, right? Yep, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I wrote the book that I wanted to read, right? That I wish <laughs> that I had had uh, because you do get lonely. It's isolating. And mm. sometimes you forget what you bring to the table. And we need, we need a coach and we need a cheerleader sometimes, right? Yeah. And I feel like the memo can serve in different ways. True, true. It's so important to find your group of people that know your value, know your worth. And uh, But before you do that, find out about your own worth, find out about your own value, because sometimes you can find yourself in certain situations. And this is me talking from a personal perspective where uh, somebody who was acting like a superior, but wasn't my superior, was acting out and and sharing that 
I wasn't, my work what that I was doing wasn't professional enough, wasn't relevant enough. But the funny thing is my manager thought, didn't have the same thought. He managed to tell me that he was thinking of me of being professional. And it's so weird that somebody can get into your mind, can get into your ear and share that with you as a way of giving you some constructive feedback, which is hurtful feedback. So know your value and know what you bring to the table before you let somebody's words become your own. That, that's a word. If I had that awesome sign, I'd put it up right now. <laughs> that's part of it, right? Yeah. Um, oftentimes yeah. we do start to question ourselves because mm. um, we've forgotten what our worth is, right? Because we've yeah. been overlooked for the promotion. We've been, yeah. we didn't get the raise that we were supposed to have. You know, the carrot was dangled in front of us and we never got what we were supposed to get. And, and I'll say even in during COVID-19, this is an opportunity for us to figure out what we want next, right? Let's I think a lot of people are doing that at the moment. <laughs> a lot of people are investigating like, okay, if my company is treating people like this or is treating me like this, is this a company where I want to work for? And even though people are not leaving now because of the financial security that I'm having, they are planting a seed yep. and they are nurturing it. And maybe they are not leaving now. But know that within two years, you will have a talent leakage. And also know that it takes, depending on which industry or depending on which, which category people are working for, right? It will take at least one year to find a replacement, to get that person up to a certain speed, will also take another two years. So that means that you have lost almost two years bringing, you know, losing valuable talent. So know what you have in house, please yeah. investigate what you have in house and start um, and start validating people as they are, because you don't know what you got until it's gone. And that is a word because I think that's part of it. Oftentimes companies talk about, oh, we need to find more women of color mm. higher, but what about the women that of color or underrepresented groups that are in your company today, right? The ones who have been loyal, who've been, you know, invest in retaining and advancing them. And that's what mm. I want more of. Yeah, definitely. So what can women of color do for themselves? So not wait upon somebody else, you know, giving you that promotion after 10 years while you have been waiting for it for 10 years. What can you do to break that glass ceiling? Yeah, I think right now we have an opportunity to <clears throat> think about our future, right? So if mm -hmm. you say right now, I'm in X role, but I see myself in a, you know, two to three years being in this other role. What mm -hmm. are some of those skills that you need in your toolkit right now to make sure that you're ready? So if you yeah. know that I want to be in management, but you're afraid of public speaking, now is the time to invest in your public speaking um, mm -hmm. so that you're ready when you get that seat at the table, that you're not holding space, that you're, you hit the ground running. And so I think Right now, we in order to break the glass ceiling, I think we're doing a lot of the things um, mm -hmm. that that we can do. It also requires us to find these equitable work environments. But again, part of the equation that we can solve is what we're doing to invest in ourselves and making sure that we're advocating. And I think that in building our our strategic alliances right mm -hmm. now, now you mm -hmm. it previously, we success is not a solo sport. As much as many of us want to say that we can be self-made and get up the ladder, it's going to require other people speaking our names when we're not in the room, you know, going to bat for us when someone tries to say that we're not professional. They know us and say, no, Vivian, she is. I've worked with her. But nobody's going to vouch for us if they don't get to know 
us, right? Or if we don't let people in, if we don't put ourselves out there. So I think part of breaking this glass ceiling is making ourselves accessible and being in these rooms and speaking up. And right now, I'm, I'm, I wholeheartedly believe that we have an opportunity to really position ourselves during uh, COVID-19. <laughs> and I yeah. hate to say it. I know it's a pandemic, um, but I do think that our leadership can really shine bright during this uh, dark time. This this whole sentence, you're giving me goosebumps all over. I'm just like, okay, where do you have a minister somewhere where I can register? <laughs> because know, know that she has a podcast. So if you want to listen to more of her, you know, those those preacher things that she's dropping, <laughs> listen to her podcast as well and follow her, please. Thank so you. what can women because we need role models? I know that. I, the only role model that I had um, back in the day was Oprah and everybody has Oprah and it was Janet Jackson. Everybody has Janet Jackson. And then internet came. Then I could find more role models. And now, especially with social media, I see so many beautiful women, women of color. I found you via it in social media. And um, the youth nowadays have so many role models, but yet again, they don't see themselves in the companies or they don't see... Uh, the women of color in certain positions. So where can we find these women and how can we all unite and have a masterclass session or have something? Because it feels like to me, even having Michelle Obama coming here last year with her becoming, I was just like, okay, but where are the other women? We there's There, there are more leading women than Michelle Obama or Oprah or maybe Capital Union. We need more of the I'm not going to, yeah, I might say the normal leading woman, <laughs> yeah. like, so where can we find them? Is there a Google search page that we <laughs> need to start or somewhere? Yeah, we, we do need them. We do need them. Uh, well, I, I would say that the, the lovely thing is how we found each other, right? Mm -hmm. uh, LinkedIn, social media. We growing up, I had the same problem as you, right? It was mm -hmm. uh, not a problem, but you know, you could only. It is a problem. No, it is. <laughs> to like Oprah, and and yeah. but there's so many of us everyday uh, women working the nine to five, right, mm -hmm. with the family that you may have more in common with in some ways yeah. and more access to, and I think that we have to re define what role model looks like, right? Yes, it'd be great if Oprah could sit down with each of us and pour into us, but the reality mm -hmm. is there's another woman who's doing phenomenal things that you can find and you can reach out. But a part of this again, Vivian, is putting ourselves out there, right? Mm -hmm. We have to go after it. The internet doesn't exclude us from any type of role model. I have so many mentors online that don't even know I exist because I follow the things that they're saying online. Mm -hmm. You know, I take what I can and I apply it to my life and and the internet allows us to build our network even across countries, across borders. And so um, you got to seek it out, though. And I think the more that we have shows like yours, we can amplify each other's voices. So when you find someone, don't hoard her. Put her out into the atmosphere so we all can have access. That's, that's a good one. Don't hoard her. Share her. Share the love. <laughs> okay, so who... Do you want to share at the moment, who's your top three when it comes to women of color in a role model position and why? Of course, you know, I watch your live. So I, I mm -hmm. you're a role model uh, to me. So thank you for your leadership. Thank you. I would also say, you know, I hate to give names out only yeah. because 
I find so there's so many women that I get inspiration from mm -hmm. like, when I'm at the grocery store, right? You know, the way that people interact. If I'm at the grocery store and I see a you know woman of color managing or doing something in the way that she responds, right? Mm -hmm. With empathy, leading with curiosity. Like I love being able to to see that. And leadership happens when you're at the drive-through of McDonald's or you're at the yeah. laundromat. You know, I see it in so many ways. And when I was younger, I used to think that role models can only be the Oprah's, right? Or the yeah. Obama's, but now mm -hmm. there's so many shapes, forms and fashions. And so don't get, I, I just want to impede upon people that are impressed upon people that um, we all can be role models. We all have a sphere of influence and it's what are we doing to make sure that we're sharing that information. And so let's all continue to be role models for each other um, and use our integrity and our empathy uh, to pass on to the next generation. So I, I hate that I, not to give you any, but you know, if you go to my Twitter page, I follow a lot of dynamic role with. I, I was just about to say, <laughs> if you follow Minda on Twitter, um, she has some of, sometimes during the week, I don't follow her all the time, but I do, you know, make, make an effort to follow some of the, the Twitters, uh, the, the posts that she's sharing and even highlighting, sharing a post, how can I help you? What are you doing this week to support you? It's such a simple question, but it brings so much power. It opens a network within a network. And I'm seeing new women. I'm seeing more people. And it's just like, okay, it feels to me, this, this lockdown, it feels like a whole new world. A whole new world has opened up. And I'm connecting with people that I might not have connected before or not, might not easily connected with before. So I am, in a way... That's the positive thing that I get out of COVID is the way that we can connect with each other in a more human way. So thank you. And follow her again on Twitter. <laughs> follow her on Twitter. So I have to ask this question and I know it's been a while, but when I saw you or when I got to see the memo, I had to ask this question and it has to do with what happened with Gabrielle Union, with the uh, America Got Talent situation. What do you think about this? Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, Gabrielle Union, her situation is our situation. You mm -hmm. know, when I see um, celebrities or I see, you know, executives yeah. being um, singled out, mm -hmm. disrespected, the dignity yeah. trying to be taken away. I put myself in the same shoes because I know mm -hmm what it's like, right? Yeah. I, I know what it's like to be Gabrielle Union, you probably know, in the yeah. sense of being one of the only ones at the table and not having mm -hmm. someone advocate for you, right? Yeah. And so what really struck me is when some of her colleagues said, oh, well, that never happened to me, which, and that was the part of it uh, that really drove me crazy because- You're belittling so much. You're making the problem that she's facing so much smaller, like it doesn't exist. You're the only one. And that's why you mentioned it, like you mentioned it in the previous question before, like it doesn't seem like you're fabricating the story because you are the only one who is experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and that's the thing. It's like, you say you want me to bring my authentic self to mm -hmm. work. You say yeah. that you want me to have a voice. Yeah. But the moment that I say that this is a problem, yeah. then I'm blowing it out of proportion, right? Or because it didn't happen to me, to you, then it mm -hmm. didn't happen at all. And I think that mm -hmm. as allies, as good colleagues, it's important to say, acknowledge that, oh, 
perhaps that did happen to her. That wasn't yeah. my experience, but I, but we should listen, right, to what Minda yeah. said and see if we can get down to the bottom of this. But I think it's really um, shameful that you're already dealing with some inequalities and then to layer on that you your voice and silence it, right? And I mm -hmm. think that if we want to have a better work environment, our allies yeah. are going to have to step up when it counts, right? True. True. Um, and even watching... Um, <clears throat> Um, Terry Crews. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> he lost. He lost. I lost it. He lost my respect. Yeah, when he did I, I was that. Really disappointed. Yeah. Because again, yeah. you don't have to say you were there to see it, but you don't have to diminish your colleagues' experience, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that True. we can be better colleagues for one another, and it, and we just have to. We just have to show up. How do we make the mm -hmm. workplace better? Humanizing it, right? Yeah. Humanizing. Had Gabrielle union experience, just a little human empathy from her colleagues at work. I think that they, she may still be at that table right now, but unfortunately, Vivian, she, who had to leave? She had to leave, right? And and we find ourselves in those situations so much because there's no accountability at the top. And of the thing I also wanted to share is she didn't speak on it. She has never spoke spoken on it, on this topic. The, the reason why it came out is her husband said something shared a tweet about why is my woman being fired for something that she loving. She brought new audience. She brought her network. People were applauding for her. She was even advocating for those who couldn't advocate or those who couldn't speak up. And I can sympathize with her. It, it, it touched so many levels, so many bodies, and still she kept respectful. Yep. towards her former employee because she doesn't want to burn bridges and I understand, but what they did to her was dehumanizing. It was. Yeah, it was. You know, I, I just want to add to that is mm -hmm. uh, a couple months ago, I had the pleasure of meeting her. We both spoke at the same mm -hmm. company and she was, she had mentioned that what really, she wasn't talking about this particular example, but mm -hmm. in situations she's been in and how some of her colleagues would get so upset about you know, the coffee not being there anymore, the coffee ran out or the tea, no more tea packets. But when something as insidious as like racism or mm, you know, racism, yeah, you can't yeah. step up, right? You'll go all the way up to the CEO to tell him that there's no more tea left, you know, but mm. you won't end up on matters that involve uh, human uh, empathy. And so True. I do think that, you know, that really struck me as we do have to show up for each other in a much better way. And again, mm -hmm. I love that your show is called Let's Humanize the Workplace because I think that's what it all boils down to um, yeah. is humanizing each other's experiences. True, true, true. I Before I go to the last question, because I don't want it to be over just right now, <laughs> but I do want to see if there are people on LinkedIn because I, have, I think I've been ignoring my LinkedIn people and I see some comments here. So I'm just going to have a... A look at the LinkedIn. Is there, if there is something to share, share something. Please share something that you want to speak on, yeah, so that in the meantime I can look at the look at, that. at the comments. Yeah. You know, the main thing I just want to say is that um, one of my favorite writers uh, is the late Audrey Lord, and she says, "Beware of feeling like you're not good enough to deserve it." And mm -hmm. so, as you're advocating for yourself, as you're finding the right table or creating your own, know that you've worked too hard to lean out now, mm -hmm. and um, you know we have to do what we have to do to make sure that we create an environment in which we can thrive and not just survive because we work too hard to get here and, and again, have to keep fighting for, for a seat 
I believe there is a seat waiting for us and sometimes it will require us to leave where we are. But I hope that there are some people in leadership and in management that take a different look um, and look at the workforce and say, how can we get the most out of everyone? And, and during this time period, managers get to make it better than we left it weeks ago. Repeat that for those in the back. In the way back. Repeat that. Yeah. Make decisions that will make the workplace better than we left it several weeks ago. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. So first of all, you have a fan, Michael Grunewald. He's sharing the memo is awesome. He's <laughs> also you. sharing Gabrielle Union was thrown under the bus by her friend, Terry Cruz. His words, not mine, but I do, I do feel like that as well. And Minda bringing the fire again with her empire state of mind. Is that you? Do you recognize that? Well, okay. yeah. I mean, we have to. If we don't, if we don't level up into our thinking, a lot of mm -hmm. it is really, um, uh, you know, the growth mindset, and um, and we got to keep that empire state of mind. I haven't shared the story of the growth mindset, right? So one of the things that um, I normally do during my show when people touch on the growth mindset is my son is six right now, but he was four when I and my partner were talking about something and he told us that's a fixed mindset. And I was just like, okay, who, what, what happened here? What did you do? Apparently at his school, his teacher, he is learning on a daily basis, on a yearly basis, what it is growth mindset and what is a fixed mindset. With a growth mindset, you are allowed to stretch and grow your brain and make mistakes as long as you learn from it. With a fixed mindset, you, you do what a lot of leaders do. They block you, they don't nurture you, and you might leave. So for those of you who want to know what the growth mindset is, Think about this example and investigate or even, you know, read the book, Carol Dweck, Growth Mindset. It's not hard. Make yourself available for this because this is the time that you have to activate. I mean, COVID is really activating our growth mindset at the moment. So please do. Yeah. And Sylvia Liebaud is also sharing. Great Vivian, great Minda. So thank you. Thank you all for, for commenting. And I also see another comment here popping up. Lillian Cardoso is sharing, love this. We love you. We love Minda. No, I love Minda. Thank you. <laughs> so I hate to say it's the last question. So for those of you, if you want to ask or if you want me to ask Minda something, just drop it now. And in the meantime, I'll ask my question. <laughs> what is your wish for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and women of color in the workplace? Yeah, you know, it's not that far away, right? When mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, for me, I hope and pray that in 2025 that we will see more diverse tables, that we will mm -hmm. see women of color in leadership roles, we will see more CEO roles, presidents, et cetera. And so I think that um, my wish is that we are those with the most privilege share their privilege. Uh, mm -hmm. so we have an equitable workforce. But the other part is that I hope that we'll see more women of color leaving environments that don't serve them any longer. And they end up where they are, need to be. I believe so. so that's so true that we need to stand up 
and say something about this, especially now that you can look on, you can look the reviews on Indeed, on Glassdoor, and also know that I think it's important also to maybe, you know, state how diverse your company is. Not only use the images or use the images from your event because one black person or one woman of color, uh, a few women of color attended it so that you can use that to lure and attract talent. And then when, once they come in, it's, it feels like a, a trap for them. But be genuine, you know, be genuine and really showcase what you're doing for diversity, what you're doing for women of color and how you feel like you are different how is your company different because now it's the window dressing i i'm not falling for it anymore and people are starting to see that as well so yeah. now is the time to stand up and to raise your voice and do something about it so yeah. i i totally agree i totally agree there's also lions fan is also saying hi so thank you <laughs> and let me see um let me see at linkedin is there something that i haven't asked you that you want to include Oh, all of your questions have been, you know, so great. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I really just want, I hope that people who are, don't, cons who don't identify as women of color, that they will read the memo because mm -hmm. I feel like, like you said, there's something for everyone. And I think the more that we humanize the workplace is understanding the people we work alongside of and some mm -hmm. of their experiences. And I can't speak for every woman of color, but there's some Common we have a lot of similarities. Yes. There are a lot of similarities. Lot of similarities. Yeah. So yeah. Um, this is a great view and it really opens up the conversation to have critical conversations and practice courageous listening because mm -hmm. I'm not, for someone who may not have um, tapped into um, advocating for themselves, they may not tell you that what you said to them last Wednesday affected them in this way, right? Yeah. So maybe if True. you read this, you can start to kind of get some deeper emotional intelligence to understand how certain things land on people who don't look like you. True, true. I couldn't have said it better. You said it well. And I also want to say something. Sylvia Liebaud is saying the first time I'm watching your platform and thank you. And also Minda, you have done an excellent job. I am not saying goodbye to you. I think that I'm going to invite you in a couple of months time if I can, you know, book your, ask your team to make the date available uh, because we need to, we need to look back. Hopefully we can look back at that time within a few months time, look back and see how, what you have done, how the world has changed from the workplace has changed from now. And also we have to remind people because sometimes you have to see things seven times before it's engraved into their brain. So I'm going to bring you back. Well, thank you. And thank if you, you allow me, though. Yes, we're friends now. Um, but thank you for your platform yeah. to host these kind of conversations because they're so yeah. important. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. So stay, stay, uh, please stay on. I'm going to just end off and I, I want to chat uh, afterwards how you, you know, how things went. So um, for those of you who don't know Minda, she's a must watch and you can follow her on practically, I think, every platform. But um i love your twitter feed and i love the way how you engage people but also activate others to level up to level up and she has a podcast <laughs> she's doing a lot so know that and um the event planners if you have a virtual event or a normal event know that you have these two sisters who are speaking on diversity who are humanizing the workplace and you know where to find us now. 
that's it. Thank you, Linda. I'll see you later. And I have a surprise. I have a surprise for you because unfortunately my guest speaker for tomorrow, unfortunately canceled. And I almost wanted to cancel my live stream, but luckily, and this is a woman that I met through uh, Minda's Twitter feed, I'm going to bring Kanika up. And Kanika is the author of The Career Rehab. This woman is, I think you will find a similarity with Minda, but again, another different energy. And she's going to speak on it. So if you want to reboost your career, or if you want to do something else, I do believe that the memo and the career we have, it's just like a joint venture that you have to read both those books. So you heard today, you heard something about Minda. Tomorrow is Kanika's turn. And put them aside, put them next to each other, because they are an added value, especially when you want to revamp your career or you're going for that promotion. So thank you for watching Let's humanize the workplace. My name is Vivian Aqua. And if you want to know more about me, just look at my LinkedIn profile or connect with me or follow me and know that I'm doing I'm doing a weekly live show on Tuesday, but sometimes on other days. But know that I'm doing an English weekly live show in English for Let's Humanize the Workplace. And it was a pleasure doing this interview. So thank you. And until next time. Bye.